Don't want to work forever? Once you can cover your living expenses with passive income, your day job becomes optional and you reach financial independence. You then have complete control over your time, your money, and your life in general. Spark Rental founders Denny Suplee and Brian Davis, me, are here to help you build rental income, ditch your day job, and do what matters most to you. So on that note, let's jump into today's episode, which, like all of our episodes, was recorded live. Hey guys, Brian Davis and Denny Suplee here from Spark Rental. Happy Tuesday. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. You know, as always, we do broadcast these live and then we release them later as a, as a podcast and, and video cast. So if you're joining us live, ask questions. You know, this is, <laughs> this is just as much about you guys. And we want to keep this an interactive show. This is not just a, a pre-recorded podcast under ideal conditions, you know, that we go back and edit thoroughly later. Um, right. You know, it's got rough edges, <laughs> right? Uh, because we broadcast it live. Um, so on that note, let us know where you are tuning in from. We obviously love to hear that stuff. Um, I'm a big traveler, so I love to hear about uh, all over the country, all over the world, You know where you guys are and uh, what you're experiencing where you live and where you have properties. So today we are jumping in to talk about how to deal with bad contractors. Uh, Denny and I were talking before the show, before going live, that I mean, I actually think dealing with contractors is, is significantly harder than dealing with tenants. Um, dealing with bad contractors is one of the most challenging parts of being a real estate investor and being a landlord. It is. Um, yeah. So, you know, last week I had Becky Nova on the show of lady landlords and um, she's lucky in that her husband is quite handy. Uh, so he's able to do some of the work uh, on some of their properties. Um, I am like the least handy guy <laughs> alive. So I've always had to hire contractors and it's always been a, a lot of trouble for me. So, and, you know, Denny was saying that uh, she used to be a general contractor back in the day. And, you know, she's trying to wrangle subcontractors and, you know, which is like herding cats. I mean, it's incredibly difficult. So on that note, Denny, let's jump in here and just establish a baseline of here. What makes a bad contractor? What doesn't make a bad? No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, a big one is they don't show up. You know, you you even call, you confirm, and you think they're going to be there, and then you maybe take off to meet them there, and no show, no call, no text, just no show. Um, that's that's a big one, and it's it's a pain in the butt. Especially, I was explaining to Brian when you have other contractors depending on that contractor's work. Like if an electrician is. Um, doing something so that a plumber can finish his end of things and the electrician just doesn't show up and then the plumber's got to be rescheduled. So it's, it's a pain. Right. So you end up with a whole cascade effect when, uh, when one contractor doesn't do their job uh, or at least doesn't do it on time, then yeah, you have a whole cascade of problems that ruins your whole timeline and can potentially ruin your, your budget as well. uh, Cause you might, you might lose some of those later contractors down the line. You might lose some of their availability. And having to, and then you end up having to hire a different contractor for that segment of the work, someone who's more expensive. And um, right now, who, with um, you know, with what's going on with contract, like you, it's hard to even get a contractor scheduled within three weeks to a month. So then that flow gets messed up, and it it's really a nightmare right now. It's just. Well, yeah. So I mean, that's a good point. That right now, it's actually it's hard to even hire bad contractors at the moment. Yes. Um, 
because because there is such a housing shortage and and because contractors are in super high demand right now uh, both for renovations for construction projects um we're actually we're experiencing this a little bit with our co-investing projects um you guys might know that denny and i um spark rental we are partnered with uh, drew sidget from um detroit uh, he operates in michigan and so we we bought a property with him along with a few audience members as a joint venture a co-investing project uh, where people own fractional shares of this property and almost all the renovations are done uh, it's all in schedule on budget except for the hvac they had a couple big flood storms happen earlier this summer and all the hvac contractors are um, are booked solid for weeks in advance so you know, we lost the original guy. Like he, he just is MIA. Yes. Uh, like you said, Denny, you know, we can't reach him. <laughs> and the other quotes we've gotten have been like twice as much money because they're all, they're all dealing with, you know, ruined um, furnaces and, and, you know, ruined hot water systems and stuff from all these flooded basements. And and those floods happened like six weeks ago. It was, it, was, it wasn't like last weekend. Um, but, you know, again, you have this cascade effect. So anyway, then you were telling us what makes a bad contractor. Oh, OK. Uh, well, poor workmanship. That's a big one. I mean, yep. everybody's going to tell you, you know, oh, we do great work, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden you go in and I've seen nightmares with that. Oh. Um, not following your directives or getting the exact you know, desired work, you know, whether it was a miscommunication or maybe they found an easier way to do something or, or whatever, but it's just not, not what you wanted. Um, oh, this, this gets to me. They asked for a down payment and a, a rather large one before the work even starts. And I could tell you nightmares after nightmares of people that have lost big chunks of money, like thousands, because they gave a contractor a lot of money. And I don't, I wouldn't see, I, I don't part with my money very easy. So I'm very suspicious with stuff like that. But when I hear this, I'm like, why, why did you do that? So don't give a down payment, you know, <laughs> that, that's like a huge, Right. And we'll, we'll talk more about that later on, but a lot of contractors ask for a materials deposit up front mm -hmm. because materials do cost money, right? Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll talk in a few minutes about how to stay ahead of contractors and not letting them get ahead of you with money. Right. And then the good old estimate, you get an estimate and then they get in there and something is different or wrong and they change the price constantly through throughout the job. So, you know, I know a big thing with outside contractors, because I remember um, helping a, a new settlement, a new settlement project and they were building houses and they hit rock. And I mean, that's different because they hit rock. That's going to cost a lot more money. But some some of these contractors will find, I don't know, just ridiculous things to say, oh, no, nope, it's going to cost more now. And you just got to be careful with that as well. Right. So it's it's a, a shady business practice, basically, where I mean, it's, it's built into their business model where they they underbid the, the project and then win the bid and then halfway through the project say, Oh wait, wait, wait! You know, here are all these all these things that were surprises that right. uh, that now it's going to cost you five thousand dollars more, and you know, blah blah blah. Uh, but yeah, you have to be really careful about these unscrupulous contractor practices, and unfortunately, it's it's not uncommon at all in this industry. And just their behavior sometimes can be tough. Um, you know, 
again, I, I, I was overseeing a, a new housing project and I remember, and this is so embarrassing, but I'm going to tell you this story. I remember showing a couple the the homes because these are like big time expensive homes and we're talking way back and they were expensive then. Um, and I'm walking them through the samples and <laughs> we see a, a stream of urine just flowing down from one of the windows. And it was because <laughs> one of the contractors, one of the framers was standing up there and he was, didn't want to use the bathroom or anything. He just, yeah. So those things and cursing and stuff like there's things that you just gotta, yeah, watch out for. <laughs> Yeah, your definition of professionalism is going to be different than contractors' definition of professionalism. So something to bear in mind. <laughs> and that's even among like contractors who, who do decent work uh, and who actually are reliable. So <laughs> exactly. yeah, some, something to bear in mind. All right. So, Denny, let's, let's talk about how to choose good contractors and how to screen out the rotten apples. So when you're, when you're hiring for projects, what, what should landlords and real estate investors be looking out for? What should they be doing? Well, I think it's easier now because of the internet to find them. I, I mean, back in the day, it was asking people and that was all you had. Um, but yeah. right. Um, and they're still good. Referrals is a, a great way um, because if somebody's using somebody that they like, generally it's going to be, a, you know, a good referral. Just make sure, just be careful of, you know, my brother's uncle's friend or something like that, because that tends to be an issue too. But um, as long as you get a decent amount of referrals, like if you have other real estate investor friends or realtors or, you know, anybody like that, um, and you get that name keeps coming up, you know, that's probably a good one. Um, another one is check out the social media groups. Um, they're good for that. And you will see, uh, my husband's a contractor and he's, I like to think he's a good contractor and, <laughs> and you can tell because he, his name comes up, like he doesn't even put it in there. I mean, somebody will say, do you know somebody who does this? And in his company comes up constantly. So when, and you'll notice that too, you'll, you'll see a repetitive, name that comes up or a couple of names, um, especially in your local groups and things like that. So check them out, look for the popular or the names that keep coming up. Um, cause the masses don't lie. If, you know, if you, if you see one name trottling in there here and there, but if you see that name keep coming up, it's probably, probably somebody reputable. And there's Google, Google them because there's so many review sites and even Google has their own reviews um, and Facebook has reviews. So, I mean, definitely Google their uh, company name and their personal name, if you know that, just to make sure that they are reputable and, you know, everybody gets a bad review now and again, it may not be fair, but you will be able to balance them out as to whether, you know, if, if there's like, 50 good reviews and a few bad ones, then, you know, it's not so bad. But if you see a two star and tons of bad reviews, you want to, even if they're affordable, you want to run away from them because in the long run, they're not going to be affordable. Yeah. And Angie's List is a good resource for that as well. That's an oldie but goodie um, website specifically for rating um, contractors and seeing other peer reviews yes. of contractors in your area. So yeah, Angie's List is a great resource for that 
as well. They just changed their name. I forget what it is now. Oh, well, shows what I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and that's about it. I think asking people, asking other contractors too is awesome because often a plumber will use this electrician that he loves and it's and they're usually because they're good. So contract if you find a good contractor, ask them, you know, who they use. Yeah, cuz they're putting their name on the line there, so they would not refer you to someone who's no good. Um but yeah, so I mean, re referrals, it really does come down to uh, trusted referrals um, and seeing other peer reviews online. Uh, you know, another way that you can uh, that you can check for contractors is making sure that they're licensed, making sure that they're insured and bonded mm -hmm. um, because, and that will protect you in several ways. One, it shows that there is some third party credentialing, right? Um, but if they, if they mess up repeatedly on jobs, they will lose that credentialing, you know, when, when right. people file a claim against their bond uh, or their insurance. So um, if they're no good, then, you know, customers will file complaints, file um, claims. So they'll lose that credentialing. So the credentialing does help as you're screening contractors. And we have a, con a comment here from Christina Colon. She says, now that contractors are super busy and there's a lack of labor, uh, more and more are asking for 50% upfront uh she asks your thoughts on that denny i again if if you know this contractor and you've worked with them before i i think i probably wouldn't have a problem with that but if it's somebody new that you're using i i don't know i i think i would i would wait it out and find somebody else because again recently i just heard somebody who was out four thousand dollars because this guy just yeah Skipped off out. to Mexico. <laughs> Serious, and she's she's exploring legal action. But I mean, that's the the likelihood of that getting anywhere is um, no. So sometimes it's better waiting it out for the good ones. And if you have a good one, paying a deposit isn't as um, risky. So Christina, my thoughts on that are uh, first of all, fifty percent upfront. That really depends on the size of the job too, right? I mean, if it if it's a $600 job and they ask for a $300 materials deposit, I would consider that. If it were a $6,000 job and they asked for a $3,000 materials deposit, I would be way more wary about that. <laughs> um, so that's, that's my first thought is that you know, the size of the job does matter some there. Right. Um, and, the, and the larger the job, the more you wanna break it down into draws, um, and, and, you know, release a little bit at a time and so forth. Um, my other thought on that is I like to buy the materials myself. So I will go with the contractor to Home Depot or, uh, or to the wholesaling store uh, or a supplier. And, you know, we'll walk around together and, you know, they'll get the materials that they need for the job. Um, you know, I'll, I'll take a look and I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm a lay person with this, but I do have some experience, you know, overseeing renovations. So, you know, if it looks like they're buying way more materials than they need, then I'll push back against them on that so that they don't try to stock up on materials right. for other jobs. Um, but in general, they won't do that, especially if it's someone, like you said, Denny, that you have a, a relationship with, that you've worked with before. Um, and then I'll, I will swipe my credit card to mm -hmm. buy the materials at checkout. You know, so first of all, I get the uh, the points on that, right? The reward points on the purchase. Second of all, I get to finance it uh, with no financing charges or fees other than the interest if I fail to pay it back that month. Um, so, whereas, you know, you can't, 
pay a contractor with a credit card, or if, if you can, they'll usually hit you with a three, four, 5% right. uh, service charge. So that's one of the ways that I get around that um, upfront material deposit request from contractors is I will buy the materials for the project myself so that they don't, they no longer have an excuse to ask me for money upfront. Um, and it could save you money because a lot of times they're going to pad the materials anyway. Correct. <laughs> and that, that's a really good point and an important point um, is that, again, a lot of contractors are not so scrupulous about these things and they will overestimate the materials costs. And even if they do that, not intending to rip you off, uh, it's not like they're going to refund <laughs> you if they end up spending less on materials, right? So they're going to they're gonna overestimate um, to protect themselves, but they're not going to refund you the difference when it comes, when it ends up coming in a lot less than that. Yeah. So, you're not going to get, Oh, I spent less here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I highly recommend that you pay for the materials yourself um, with your own credit card. Um, if, if they're asking for a material deposit, if they're asking for money up front, just say, uh, no, I'm not going to give you a deposit, but I will buy the materials myself. Absolutely. All right. Denny, other tips for choosing good contractors, screening out bad contractors? Just, um, no, I don't think so. I think basically, you know, check the reviews and what, what we said, be careful, ask people and be careful with the deposit. All right. So you hire somebody, you, you, you read through your estimates and your bids, you pick one that you feel comfortable with. Um, oh, and one, before we actually move on, I will say this, it's worth contacting previous um, customers and asking them about their experience with the contractor. Uh, yes, the contractor is going to be cherry picking their um, client referral or their client um, testimonials. Right. It's still worth speaking to these people. You know, it's a five minute phone call. It, it doesn't hurt you. It doesn't take a lot of time out of your day. Um, but, you know, you can, if you keep asking them probing questions, you can get to the root of, you know, did they perform the work on time? Did they stay in budget? Were there any surprise changes in the bid? Um, you know, how, how did they show up on time? You know, um, you know, when they, when they were going to show up to, to meet you for, to buy materials at the store, did they show up on time? <laughs> you know, all that stuff. Um, but yeah, it's worth spending just a few minutes to contact, uh, previous clients to ask about their performance. All right, moving on. So you, you pick someone, you sign a contract with them. Denny, how do you manage these contractors to keep them in budget and on schedule? Well, we had already talked about the first two, the down payment and considering purchasing your own supplies, um, especially if you're like uh, my daughter is putting a laundry room in right now and she bought her own washer and dryer because they, they will pad that to make money oh, on that. Yeah, they're so, going to put a margin on top of all that stuff. Right. And you know what? Things are all delivered now, so you can order it online. Even some of the supplies you're um, – contractors need a lot of times you can get a list from them and have it delivered right to the house. So, I mean, that's another, another way to help, but, um, you definitely don't want to just like leave them in the rental or whatever property you're flipping or whatever you're doing, and then just leave them there without checking on them. You do have to check on them because I mean, for several reasons, you know, <laughs> you don't want them bringing people in there that you, you know, 
partying or drinking beers there. You laugh, but it's happened. No, um, I've, I, I did that when I was 18. Stay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you definitely want to stay in contact with them. Um, make sure this is <laughs> read through everything you sign, every estimate, every contract, all the um, higher orders, because in every contract there is fine print. And usually the fine print is in the benefit of the person who's providing the service. So make sure that you read through all that. Um, and a lot of those contracts will say stuff about, you know, well, things are going to cost more and blah, blah, blah. And some of them will even say that they can just do it and charge you without bringing it to your attention first. So make sure that you read those things um, completely. And if there's anything that you don't understand, ask. I mean, you're paying them, so ask them. Um, even to the point of how they're going about doing something. If it seems odd to you, maybe ask a friend or pose the question in a, in a group or something to see if it seems like kosher. And if it doesn't, then ask them why, you know, this isn't the norm. I've seen how this is done. How come you're doing it this way? Um, That's a really important point. Um, just asking probing questions about these things um, it shows, it demonstrates to the contractor that you're paying attention mm -hmm. and that they can't necessarily pull one over on you. So even if this is not an area of expertise for you personally, and you wouldn't necessarily know any better, just the fact that you are asking questions perpetually, uh, that will in itself deter them from ripping you off, or at least it will help in deterring them, uh, from ripping you off. Um, and, you know, Denny, you brought up a really important point of staying on top of the contractors. I like to visit the, the job site every single day mm -hmm. during any kind of project, you know, big, small. I think it's really important that you show your face once a day as the, the owner of the property. Um, and for the, exactly the same reason, it shows them that you're paying attention and that you're on top of things. Um, and that deters them from trying to pull one over on you, trying to cut corners, uh, trying to swap in lower quality materials than what right. you agreed to. Um, so, uh, yeah. And again, even if you are not a, a, an expert and you don't necessarily know ex everything that you're looking at, um, you know, obviously it helps the, the more you know, the, the, you know, the more you'll pick up on problems, but just being there, just showing up once a day and spending 15 minutes walking through the property you know, peering underneath things, you know, looking behind panels, uh, all of, and asking probing questions like we were just talking about, you know, all of that just sends the loud and clear message to the contractors. I care and I'm watching and I'm paying attention. Right. And educate yourself. Um, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be sexist because I'm a female. So I've been through this. Um, unfortunately, a lot of contractors will look at a woman and think, oh, they're not going to know. And they can pull more over our eyes. And now I went through, you know, the eighties where it was a lot worse. It's getting better. But, um, so don't, you know, get educated, everybody, women, men, everybody, so that you have an idea of what they're talking about, know the terms, stuff like that. So that, that at least they'll, th oh, well, I, the, the mindset would be, I'm not going to mess with them because they know the lingo or they, they know what they're talking about. So there'll be less to pull the wool over your eyes with all that too. 
Yeah, absolutely. And you know, to to circle back around to the very beginning, when you are collecting bids, um, this is one more reason why you want to collect at least three bids, uh, maybe four or five, because with each bid that you collect and each contractor that you bring in to talk about the job with, you're going to learn more about the work that needs to be done, um, what it should cost. Uh, you'll you'll pick up on more of the terminology and the mm -hmm. lingo, like you said, Denny. Um, so by that that fourth or fifth estimate that you're asking for, and that you're meeting the contractor over there and walking through, you know, you will already have gotten something of an education mm -hmm. on the process just by talking to so many contractors about the the work and the project. So you know, we really can't emphasize enough to get that education for yourself, even if you never plan to do this this work on your own uh, even if you never plan to become super handy um, <laughs> it, it really does help and it does help if you do you know make an effort to become a little handier yourself and i say that again as someone who's not very handy at all uh, but youtube university it's free <laughs> you know you can you can see exactly how to do any procedure and that doesn't mean you want to do it yourself um but you can learn a lot just for free online, you know, by watching videos, by going to blogs. Um, so get that education. It will help you save money in overseeing renovation projects and managing contractors. Absolutely. All right, so Denny, if you do have a bad contractor, uh, you get ripped off, what should you do? Well, after you're done crying, you <laughs> can, you wanna get all the information together. Um, definitely take pictures. I like to take pictures of projects anyway, and I'm sure a lot of us do that, you know, the befores and anthers and as it's going along. So you want to keep those pictures and, and gather them together. You definitely want to confront the contractor. Um, if confrontation person to person seems unsafe, do it through text or email or something like or that phone. or phone. I always forget about phone these days. <laughs> um, and then, you know, get the story um, and then fire them if you have to. Again, keep track of the times and dates of all communication because just in case you have to go to court, the more a judge respects somebody who has the information like it, it. Most people will be like, I think it was like on a Tuesday, but if you say Tuesday, September, blah, blah, at four o'clock, I talked to him and this is what happened. You sound more in the know. So it goes a long, long way. Um, the other thing is you can file a bond insurance claim. I've never done that. Have you ever done that, Brian? I have not. Um, but you know, this is one more reason why you want to use someone who's insured and bonded, uh, is as the customer, you can file a claim to get reimbursed for any damage or any unfinished work that was contracted for. Um, and then that comes either the contractor, you know, they could lose their policy or it comes right. out of their pocket in the, you know, the insurance company collects from the contractor. Uh, but you do get made whole by the insurance company mm -hmm. when you do that. Uh, so again, one more reason to to hire a, a bonded and insured contractor. And then the a big one is file a complaint with the townships and the counties and whatnot, or a licensing board if your um, county or local area has one of those, um, <laughs> because that really kind of puts the stop on them. So it may not get you your money back right now, but it's certainly going to prevent them from putting the screws to somebody else later, um, and take them to court. I mean. 
more often than not, you can take them to small claims. You got to check your location to see what the amount is. Um, there are limitations, but so small claims is a little bit easier. You can go yourself. You don't have to hire an attorney. And then you have to remember, you're going to gather all your pictures, all your communications. So when you're in court, you're going to have all that. So it should be pretty smooth. Chances are they're not going to come to court and you'll have a judgment against them. So uh, go ahead. Were you going to say something? Sorry. No, no. Well, so I, you know, I, I wanted to circle back to something you said a minute ago mm -hmm. that was important. You were talking about uh, contacting the licensing board in, mm -hmm. in your county or your jurisdiction. And when contractors licenses are threatened because this is their livelihood, they will, they will make it right for you. Like, I mean, they, that will cow them. I mean, if, if, if they think that they're at risk of losing their license, they're going to come back and they're going to, to fix the, the bad work that they did. Um, you know, whatever the problem was, they'll come back and fix it uh, because the threat of losing their license is so dire for them. Absolutely. So that in itself will solve 90% of these problems. You, you almost never have to take a contractor to court uh, if there is a legitimate threat of them losing their license. Um, which, you know, you can obviously threaten to contact the licensing board before actually contacting them, you know, give them a chance to, to make it right before you do that. Um, and then, you know, call the licensing board if, if they still refuse. Although, you know, like we said, many will, just the threat of that will cow them and bring, you know, bring them make back good. in line. Yeah, absolutely. And then this is, you know, World Wide Web. Review them everywhere. I have got, I have done that. I have been so angry. I have taken the time and reviewed them everywhere. Um, and sometimes that'll even get a response. Not a lot, but it will. They'll be like, you know, I'm sorry or whatever and try to make good. So, you know, those are some of the some of the ways. And the other thing is, is if you um, when you're negotiating, like when they're saying right before you fire them, if they won't make good on it, it's like you can use what Brian just said and say, look, if you don't do this, I am going to report you to, you know, this, that or the other thing. And, and they might it might get them back there to fi fix whatever they need to fix. But. And the threat, the threat of leaving terrible reviews all over the internet can sometimes change people's tunes as well. Um, you know, in my, in my personal life, you know, when, when Katie, my wife or I have been wronged by some company, you know, we will call them up and say, either you're going to make this right, or we are going to plaster the internet with terrible reviews about what you did to us. And at least half the time, it works. And, and they say, well, okay, okay, okay. Uh, we, you know, uh, let me, let me talk to my boss one more time and see if we can make this work for you. And then magically, you know, they, they actually will make it right for you. So uh, yeah, that, that threat in today's world, like you said, Denny, uh, can actually go a long way. And think about how many times, like I know for me, like, especially like Airbnb or, or short-term housing, I, I read those reviews because if you don't read the reviews, you know, it's on you at this point. So people read reviews. You'd be surprised. Oh, absolutely. And you should too, before hiring somebody. <laughs> right. All right. Well, Denny, is there anything, any other thoughts about either screening out bad contractors or managing contractors that you want to bring up before we call this episode complete? 
I think we pretty much captured it all. I mean, the other um, idea, and I'm not a fan of it, but some people like to do it, is to get a GC who um, oversees it all, and then you only have to deal with them. But I, that can be really hard, too, because you still got to stay in communication with them, and you got to find a reputable one of, one of those, and that can be really hard. So. And you're going to pay them a pretty margin yes. for, uh, for coordinating the subcontractors. So. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, we will see you next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 Pacific here on the Spark Rental page. Have a wonderful week and let us know what you want to hear about next week. Absolutely. Have a great day. Talk to you soon. Did you know we offer a free eight video course on how to reach financial independence with real estate? It's super bingeable with each video around 10 minutes long, but packed with information. Visit sparkrental.com slash learn for instant access. And please don't forget to rate and review our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Thanks for joining us, and we will catch you on the flip side.